Hello and welcome to the latest Fraser Vander podcast. My name is Ben Cooper. Today I'm joined by our director, Professor Mary Spouge, and economic and policy analyst, Hannah Randolph. Mary, Hannah, thanks very much for joining me. This week, we publish our latest economic commentary, analysing the latest data for quarter one of 2023. Mary, I wonder if you could just start us off by summarising what the main findings were from the latest commentary. Well, the main findings were, as ever, uh, our updated forecasts for Scotland. Now, um, we published our, our, our last commentary a wee bit later than normal because the Scottish budget was so late in December. So we only put that out at the beginning of February. So it hasn't been very long since we, we produced a forecast, but our forecast did change a little bit since the last set. Um, and it got a little bit more optimistic. Um, we've been finding in recent quarters that we've been quite gloomy. <laughs> we seem to be getting gloomier. But we did, our forecast has actually got a bit better um, in the, the most recent set. So um, we're now forecasting that um, growth will contract around 0.7% um, over the course of 2023. So that's that's better. We were previously forecasting a contraction of, of 1%. So we still think the economy is likely to contract over the year. Um, particularly, um, we're going to see, we think, contractions in the, the first quarter and the second quarter as energy prices rise again, particularly for businesses, despite the, the help that's still in place for households. So we do think um, there will be an issue with that. And also, as um, higher interest rates continue to kind of feed through into the economy, as more people have to remortgage and that sort of thing. So we do think we're, we're still going to see some difficulty in the economy with quite persistent high inflation, as we saw in recent data. Um, so it's a bit of a mixed picture. Recent economic data has been a bit more positive, but we've also had the wider uh, concerns about uh, the global financial system. So <sighs> some good news, some bad news, which has led us to slightly improve our forecast. But the main message, I suppose, is that it's really uncertain <laughs> um, and it feels like uncertainty has only increased in the last few weeks. And so Hannah, Mary's touched on some of the economic factors at play there, such as interest rates, energy prices. Um, we've included our, our usual outlook and appraisal section in the commentary. I wonder if you could just tell us what the latest data suggests for the UK and the Scottish economy. Yeah, so I'll echo what Mary said, which is that there's more uncertainty now and there's some slight points of improvement over the last quarter but there's nothing huge um, so some of the new data and outlook and appraisal comes from the obr forecasts that accompanied the uk budget earlier this month and those forecasts have improved since the ones in november um, they forecast things like falling gas prices and a shallower briefer dip in growth than we previously thought um, and so we might avoid a technical recession uh, but all of that is forward-looking, saying that it will get better a bit sooner than we thought. Uh, Scotland has had growth of 0.1% in quarter four last year, and we're still just below the GDP that we had in quarter four of 2019. Um, there was also this unexpected rise in inflation in February, uh, when before we thought it would be decreasing for a lot of 2023. Um, and We've also had expectations about the economy are sort of mixed. Uh, so in quarter four last year in our business monitor, um, businesses were a bit optimistic about their prospects at the end of last year, um, but consumers were pretty pessimistic about the prospects for household finances. Uh, so it will be interesting to see what we find in the business monitor for this first quarter of 2023. 
Uh, and does any of, of the latest data suggest any easing in, in the current cost of living crisis facing households? Again, there's not been a huge improvement and the rise in inflation in February was unexpected. That was driven by the prices of food, non-alcoholic beverages, clothing and footwear. Um, but on the other hand, OBR does expect consumer gas prices to fall pretty quickly this year, which should help to ease some of those pressures. Um, there's not really been much of a change in the number of people reporting different responses to cost of living crises. Um, so ONS runs a quick survey every two weeks on public opinions and social trends. And at the beginning of last year, they started asking about different methods of coping with costs, uh, things like buying fewer non-essentials or taking fewer non-essential journeys and vehicles. And the proportion of people reporting, for instance, using less fuel in their homes has started to come down just a little bit, but it's still over 50% of respondents. And we have to remember, too, that even when inflation starts to come down, a lot of prices will still be high compared to what they were a year or two years ago. And average wage growth in particular has not kept up with inflation. And so even when the inflation rate starts to go down and even when fuel prices come down, there will still be the significant pressure on household budgets. And you've also included, um, just touching on wage growth there and, and feeding into the labour market, you've included some of your, your recent analysis into inactivity in the wider labour market in Scotland. Um, I wonder if you could just share some of the insights from that. Yeah, the stuff on inactivity in the commentary is based on a blog that we put out a few weeks ago. Um, there's been a lot of attention paid to rising economic inactivity in the UK, and that's when more people of working age are not working or not seeking work. And most recently, we've had the measures in the UK budget that were aimed at bringing people who've retired early back into the labor market, um, such as some adjustments to pension policy and so on. Uh, but that's in the whole of the UK, whereas Scotland has actually had falling inactivity over the last couple of years. And the Scottish government is also really wanting to know if the pandemic has contributed to more inactivity in the labor market through long COVID. So we looked at the different reasons that people reported for inactivity. And increasingly, the main health problem among people who are inactive because of ill health is related to mental health. We also didn't see much to suggest that the pandemic caused a lot of new inactivity due to ill health, uh, because most people who report being inactive due to ill health uh, previously reported being inactive for some other reason. And so both of these patterns are similar to what other researchers have found for the whole of the UK. Uh, but compared to the rest of the UK, uh, in Scotland, a persistently larger share of inactivity is due to ill health. So one thing that we haven't looked at yet, but we're keen to, is how much of these patterns of inactivity in Scotland are linked to the kinds of long-term health inequalities that other researchers at the Fraser have found in a report for the Health Foundation last fall. And of course, if anyone is interested in, in reading further on, on your work in inactivity, you mentioned there a blog that, of course, you can find on our website, um, fraserofallander.org. Um, I suppose one of the key policy focuses of this commentary was um, was the recent spring statement um, by the Chancellor about two weeks ago now. Um, Mary, I wonder if you could just share, um, we've included some more in-depth analysis, um, share some of the insight to what the implications are for, for Scotland and the Scottish budget from this. 
Yeah, so we got quite an extensive section uh, in the commentary um, touching on some of the main announcements, some of which will affect Scotland because they affect the whole of the UK and some focusing on particular areas of interest for Scotland. And the spring budget was interesting in that um, pretty much every announcement was trailed in advance. Um, usually there's something surprising, um, but everything pretty much was trailed in advance, although perhaps the extent of some of the measures was was a little bit just a wee bit of a surprise but mainly we knew what was coming um so there was the extension of the the energy price guarantee for households although we can't forget of course that one of the other measures which had given all households 400 pounds over the six months between october and march will be removed so although the energy price guarantee is continuing it will still feel to households like prices have gone up um, and there was notably no announcements on energy price, uh, additional energy price subsidies or support for businesses. So businesses are going to feel their bills going up sharply from tomorrow, um, unfortunately, and businesses and other organisations like charities, for example. Um, there was the um, announcements about um, pensions. So in terms of how much people can put into their pensions each year before they have to pay tax on it and how much they can have in their overall pot, i.e. The, the limit on the overall pot was was abolished completely. This was presented as a measure to encourage NHS consultants and doctors to come back to work. Um, but it benefits a lot of people who aren't um, public sector workers or NHS doctors or consultants as well. And of course, it benefits them of the, the richest part um, of the income and wealth distribution um, the most. So um, the only people, the people in Scotland who have a pension pot, which is, you know, over the million pound mark are, you know, in the top 10% of, of uh, people with, with that sort of wealth. So um, it will benefit those on the highest incomes. Uh, the most and wealth, um, those who have the most wealth. Um, there's been some interesting announcements on childcare, of course, which were trailed again by the Chancellor as, as ways of trying to improve the labour supply, i.e. get more people back into work um, if childcare was a barrier. A few interesting things about that. Um, of course, these were announcements for England. Childcare is a devolved issue. Um, and the Scottish childcare setup is already quite different. So there's provision for three and four-year-olds in Scotland. There's also provision for three and four-year-olds in England. But the provision in Scotland is universal. It's for all three and four-year-olds, whereas the provision in England is for parents, um, for children of uh, whose parents are working. So the focus is a bit different. You know, the kind of policy rationale is different. Um, in England, it's about helping people get back into to work and um, being able to support them to get into work. Whereas in Scotland, it's kind of part of the early learning um, and childcare offer. So it's more about all children having that offer um, as they, they, they move through and, and into school. So the interesting thing about that is through the extension of the childcare support in England to one and two year olds and even down to nine months, is will Scotland, you know, sort of keep that universality of approach if it does move down the ages and down into one and two year olds as well, rather than just being about parents who are working? Um, because if they do want to keep that universal approach, it's going to cost uh, um, more um, and it means it will cost more than the Barnett consequentials that have been generated by these policy announcements by the Chancellor. We did find out that, um, yes, indeed, these policy announcements will generate um, various policy announcements. The budget will generate Barnett consequentials for the Scottish budget. We didn't know exactly 
over how many years um, these Barnett consequentials were going to cover, and we sort of detail that in our in our commentary. Um, most of it's generated not in the year that's about to start tomorrow, um, the 24, the 23-24 year, but they're generated in 24-25 as the childcare policies in England start to actually be rolled out. Um, but there will be some extra funding for the government in Scotland to put towards um, expansion and childcare if they wish to put it towards that. Of course, they don't have to. But we are pointing out that if they want to keep this universality, that funding is only likely to sort of cover about about half the cost. Some other um, interesting announcements were um, actually kind of after the budget because there were things that didn't get talked about. So, um, for example, the, the Scotch whisky industry weren't happy that um, a planned rise in alcohol duties on spirits was, was has gone ahead. So basically the Chancellor didn't cancel it at the budget. Um, so that means that the prices of, of, of uh, spirits and, and wines um, and so on will be going up as planned in August by quite a hefty amount. So, um, you know, that industry wasn't wasn't particularly happy about the announcements in the budget. And I suppose in theme with the budget and, and looking more to the future, you, you touched on there at the beginning about, you know, energy prices and how they're likely to affect farms and businesses in Scotland. Uh, I wonder this week, of course, we, we sent out the latest wave of our, of our Scottish business survey. Um, I wonder if you could just touch perhaps on the kind of questions that we're asking firms um, and, and the kind of sentiment that we're looking to, to gather from them. Yeah, so um, actually the last edition of the, the Business Monitor, our Scottish our, our survey, the Scottish Business Monitor, was actually the 100th edition of it. We've been doing it for 25 years. Um, and just if there are any businesses listening who, who take part in it, I'd just like to thank you because without you get, taking part in it, we wouldn't get the insights that we do from it. Um, so it's really appreciated. So please take part if you're um, you're interested and get in touch if you, you haven't got the link and you would like to take part in our business survey. Um, but what we're looking for really is that this gives us um, a really useful insight into what's going on in the economy in much more real time than um, you know um, traditional statistics do, which are quite lagged and, and sort of backward looking. We we ask companies about how they feel the last you know quarter has gone and sort of what how they feel about the next six months you know in terms of their business, their investment. Um, their plans for exporting and so on. We also um, sort of change up each time topical questions in the survey. So it won't surprise anyone to hear that we've been asking businesses about how they feel about cost pressures uh, over the last year or so, um, and particularly focusing on um, energy prices and how that's maybe um, driving their decisions and their investment decisions um, just now. We're also this time uh, asking some questions about um, views on the deposit return scheme. Um, which um, has obviously been quite a controversial um, a policy uh, measure, which the Scottish Government have been talking about for a very long time now, um, but is due to come in force in, in August, although obviously with the appointment of the new FM this week, we'll have to wait and see exactly what happens with that next. Um, we have published a blog on the deposit return scheme recently, if you're interested in, in reading about what the idea of the policy is in theory, um, you know, whatever the issues have been with its implementation, you know, what, what the sort of rationale behind the policy, um, because there, you know, even if you talk to industry, there isn't much disagreement with the overall principles or the ideas of the policy. It, it's, um, you know, businesses more have an issue with the planned way of implementation. So we are going to ask businesses about that, if, you know, are they affected by it and, and you know, has it increased costs now and are they afraid it may 
increase costs in the future? Or even um, do they think it might even save them money because of the change in the way they'll get charged for waste um, pickups and things like that? So we're just trying to get a bit more information about how businesses are feeling about the deposit return scheme in the latest edition of the Monitor. Well, it's quite clearly a lot of lot to ponder and a lot to process. Um, Mary, Hannah, thank you very much for taking the time to join me today. Uh, you can read our full latest economic commentary on our website, uh, fraserofallander.org, um, and can also keep up to date with all of our latest work via our Twitter. Um, our handle is at strathfai. Uh, we will be back in a few weeks with another edition of the Fraser of Allander podcast, uh, but until then, have a great weekend.